With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We have got a very interesting show coming for you today. I hope all of you are having spectacular Wednesdays wherever you are across the scope of our country and world. It is continuing to freeze, it is the winter. It is a dark, dark, and cold time, but we are bright and shining light for your morning. I hope, at least. Uh, Much to get to, but I want to give you a little bit of a a lineup here of where we are headed. At the very end of Hour 1, we're going to be joined by uh, Ole Miss football coach Hugh Freeze. And then he is going to be with us for the entirety of Hour 2. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation we're going to have. Now, I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but Ole Miss, former Ole Miss coach Hugh Freeze has not spoken really to the media in months since he lost his job this past summer for some part NCAA-related uh, improprieties, and we'll talk about that but also primarily because of his own issues in his personal life surrounding uh, relations outside of his marriage. We haven't really gotten into exactly what happened there. We will talk about that as well. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how honest or forthcoming Hugh Freeze is going to be exactly, but I do know that he uh, is eager, I believe, to talk and finally discuss all of the controversies that have surrounded him and uh, kind of begin to put that part of his life out in the public to be able to move forward in his coaching quest. So, look, I'm telling you, I think this is going to be a really intriguing conversation that the two of us are going to have. And if you are listening in podcast or like a lot of you, you know, you're up in the morning and you are on your way to work 
and uh, you are uh, just kind of starting off your day, I'm telling you, I think you're going to want to hear this interview. So find a way to download the podcast. Find a way to stream or listen to the interview at your work. I think it's going to be really, really worth hearing for all of you out there. So I want you to know that it's a little bit of a different uh, landscape than the normal course of the show. That will be primarily hour two, and uh, and he's going to be with me for a full hour. So go ahead and get your popcorn. We'll see how that is going to go. Now, there is so much going on in the world of coaching right now that it's almost impossible to keep track of anything. And it's it's ironic that we're going to have Hugh Freeze on today uh, as, as basically the entirety of hour two, particularly because uh, news broke late last night that Arizona was firing head coach Rich Rodriguez over allegations of sexual misconduct, even though, again, the, the details of that seem to be very kind of uh, un, unclear. Um, a lot of uncertainty there, and it's more of the sort of hashtag Me Too allegations continuing to run through all of the uh, all of the world of athletics and business, frankly, that surrounds sports. And this kind of ties in with a story that some of you may have seen that I did on Friday of this past weekend. It was right before the holiday weekend started. But ESPN, as many of you know, decided to fire their president, John Skipper, but they claimed that the reason that John Skipper was leaving was because it was mutual and that it was because he had a substance addiction issue. Well, I'm telling you that there are so many companies and so many different uh, entities right now dealing with major messes inside, and ESPN is one of them. And whether it's Rich Rodriguez, whether it's John Skipper, the president of ESPN, um, the story that we wrote about at, at OutKick was that ESPN came out and said, John Skipper is st- stepping down because he has substance uh, abuse issues, substance addi- addiction issues. And I immediately called that into question and said, wait a minute. Uh, and based on the people that I'm talking to, like this doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and that same night, last Friday, John Skipper went out drinking with ESPN employee um, Dan Lebitard. And so if you're going to release a statement, and this was, you know, this is our story, and I would encourage you guys to go check it out. The Hollywood Reporter has since picked up and written a version of that too. Uh, but Disney and ESPN said that John Skipper, I've struggled for many years with a substance addiction. I've decided the most important thing I can do right now is take care of my problem. I've disclosed that decision to the company. We mutually agreed it was appropriate that I resign. I will always appreciate the human understanding and warmth uh, I come to this public uh, disclosure with embarrassment, trepidation, a feeling of having let others I care about down. As I deal with this issue and what it means to me and my family, I ask for appropriate privacy and a little understanding. Um, and then he goes out drinking with one of the most prominent employees at ESPN. And we have pictures of that. It's crazy. They're out at a North Carolina bar, uh, and one of our OutKick uh, army is out there and sees him and sends me the the pictures and I think the reason why I'm, uh, I'm tying this all together is 
it, it's just it's amazing the degree to which we live in an arena right now where ultimately your public and your private lives are eventually going to become one and the same. This is kind of my big lesson in the world of sports and beyond is that you can't hide from yourself in ways that you could have in a different social media environment, in a different media environment yourself. And what I mean by that is whatever you are trying to hide, by and large, it comes to light in today's society. Your public profile and your private profile are becoming intertwined and inextricable. And a lot of you out there kind of, I think, viscerally are understanding this, but this kind of ties in with Hugh Freeze. This ties in with Rich Rodriguez. This ties in with ESPN's uh, issues with John Skipper. You have to live both publicly and privately in a way that you're comfortable with basically everything you've ever done at any moment being coming public. And it's true whether you are a really famous person who happens to be a head football coach or whether you are just a regular guy or girl out there with an Instagram account and a Facebook account and a Twitter account, and you're just listening to me right now on the radio on your way in. Uh, basically, it's impossible to hide. And in some ways, that's good because it can illuminate and eliminate hypocrisy. In other ways, it's kind of scary that there is no private life anymore. Everything is part of the public arena and our younger kids out there understand this even more because there's going to be so many kids coming of age who basically their entire life has been chronicled on Facebook uh, a public website I mean right now Facebook was founded when in 2004 you started to be able to regularly put up pictures what in 2006 or so probably 2005 2006 I mean there are kids right now that are 12 or 13 years old almost and their entire life has been chronicled on Facebook, and they can't ever escape the fact that there's pictures of them doing everything imaginable. It's a virtual, um, it's a virtual scrapbook of their entire life that's public for a lot of people to be able to check out. I don't know. I was just thinking about this in a larger context as I got ready and did my background work to get ready to talk to a former Ole Miss coach, Hugh Freeze, about that distinction between public and private and how it's vanishing. Um, other big news, and again, if you're just starting off the day, hour two, we're going to be talking with Hugh Freeze. Other big news that's out there, and I feel bad for you guys, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment. The Cincinnati Bengals have made the inexplicable decision to bring back Marvin Lewis. I, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, this is like a couple that is planning on getting divorced and then found out that they were pregnant. Is Marvin Lewis pregnant? Is uh, Did the, the, the Bengals just find out that he's suddenly going to be pregnant, and so they, they called off the divorce I don't know what's going on in Cincinnati. I do know this. If they weren't in Ohio, the Bengals' dysfunction would be such a bigger story. But because they're in Ohio and Jimmy Haslam and the Browns are so incompetent, nobody can keep up with how bad the Browns are, so the Bengals seem like a pretty decent uh, franchise in comparison. It's like if the the, the Bengals are the 500-pound man and the Browns are the 1,000-pound man, where the 500-pound man ain't in great shape, but if you put him standing up next to the 1,000-pound man, you think, ah, oh, you know what? He's actually in pretty good shape. That 500-pound guy's not in that bad of shape. Put him next to anybody else who's normal, and you think, man, what a disaster this guy is. Put him next to uh, the bank. Put him next to the Browns. He looks like he's in tip-top shape. 
All right, we'll uh, continue to uh, to break down. I'm going to talk more about this ridiculous Bengals decision. We'll talk about all the openings in the NFL, and we'll continue to get you ready for Hugh Freeze coming up in an hour or two. I think you're not going to want to miss this. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You know what? Uh, I, I advertised for TrueCar, and I met the guys out in their uh, Santa Monica uh, offices uh, last year. And I'm in the process of buying a new car, and I'm not a car guy. You know, and, and by which I mean I'm not that in for, that that plugged in with knowing that much about cars. So I was just up in Michigan, and it's ironic that I don't know anything about cars because my brother-in-law works at Ford and designs cars. And my uh, father-in-law, I mean, if you live in Detroit, I feel like you're kind of enmeshed in car culture. And so I've always felt like I just didn't know anything. You know, it's, it's like the person who doesn't know anything about sports suddenly trying to have an opinion at the Super Bowl. You're just totally out of depth. If you're talking to people who are legitimate football fans, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, you, just, you just don't know anything. I mean, I, I, I literally feel like the guy who shows up for the Super Bowl party and uh, hasn't watched a football game all year whenever I have to talk about cars. But... I went on TrueCar. Uh, I, I pulled up their app and I went on and I was like legitimately blown away with the ease by which I could find out exactly what cars should cost as I was like, I kind of have a general idea what kind of car we're going to get and being able to actually check and see what they should cost is fantastic because you don't want to have to go negotiate with a car dealer and I don't want to spend all day going back and forth over a thousand dollars with a car dealership. And that was actually a a pretty cool um, pretty cool concept. I mean, legitimately, I've been talking about them for a long time, and I'm familiar with the website. But to actually be using it for myself as I shop for a car, I got to tell you, uh, it's a pretty awesome website. So check it out. Uh, what's not awesome? Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm going to bring in my crew here and uh, and talk with them. I mean, am I totally right? And and by the way, I feel like this Arizona story is also a big deal because Rich Rodriguez losing his job could be in the same way that we saw all these different stories coming out about uh, alleged improprieties. I find it hard to believe that given what happened with Harvey Weinstein and the hashtag MeToo era that we're in right now that swept through Hollywood so rapidly, that swept through business, that has swept through media and cost so many very prominent men their jobs, I find it hard to believe that Arizona is the only school that is dealing with allegations of this sort right now. Now, maybe some of these things are going to be settled privately at other schools. Maybe other the, others of them are not legitimate. Maybe they're not going to go public. And again, I always say, just because you make an allegation doesn't make it true. But I feel like this Arizona situation going public, probably there are going to be other schools that get dragged into it. And uh, maybe that's where we should start. Do you guys agree with me? Do you agree with me, Jason Martin, that... If Rich Rodriguez is losing his job pretty quickly over the course of this investigation, and by the way, Arizona is paying him his full remaining term owed under his contract, so they are not saying they necessarily found that he had behaved any way inappropriately off the football field. I think they're just saying, man, there's so much of a mess here right now. We don't want to continue this process. I feel like there's going to be other schools that are going to find themselves in this same mess. Either they already are and it hasn't gone public yet, or this is going to embolden others to come forward maybe in these athletic department offices? At the very least, the second part of what you just said is true. I think probably both parts. I think it probably already is happening in some places, but if it hasn't, it's going to because you again realize that 
in positions of power when you have a ton of power and we've discussed before how much power college football coaches have in this country around those universities around a lot of those a lot of universities are in small communities where the university is that community so those players or those coaches end up in real positions of power in those scenarios we saw in Hollywood we're seeing it in media we're seeing it all across the place there's no possibility that Rich Rodriguez is an isolated case or some kind of aberration out there. There are going to be other stories coming out, either that have already started or that will start in the wake of what's happening to uh, to Rich Rodriguez, or I guess what has already happened to him. And yeah, like you said, $5.46 million, they're going to have to pay Rodriguez to finish out his contract, which is going to end in 2020. He was 43 and 35. I don't know, maybe, do you think possibly they looked at this and thought, you know, Again, one of those situations where benefits don't outweigh the problems at this point because it's not like Rich Rodriguez was absolutely killing it at Arizona. He was doing a better job, and he was talking about the future, but I'm not sure. Maybe they wanted to get out from under Rich Rodriguez so it was easier to try and cut bait, even though it seems like, at least from what we can read, that the allegations didn't have merit when they tried to go through them in the university. They still found a way to get them out of there. I think it's a talents don't exceed problems issue. I think there are lots of schools out there that if the coach was winning championships and they conducted an investigation this thorough, I mean, the article that I read said that Rich Rodriguez did polygraph tests as part yes. of uh, as part of this investigation and that they hadn't found anything improper that he had done. And again, I find this this situation in general to be messy along with many of these investigations. I've talked about this before. I used to do sexual harassment investigations. And I used to do sexual harassment seminars that I would teach to uh, to different employees of a variety of different companies out there. So I'm familiar with literally the inner workings of a lot of these investigations. I know exactly what goes into uh, getting a report of an impropriety and then having to figure out whether or not it was true. I've sat across the table from women who have alleged uh, inappropriate actions by men. I've then brought in the men and, and, and confronted them with the allegations that were made against them. And uh, I've never heard a guy say, yep, I did it. Uh, every guy always says, no, it's not true. Every woman always says it is true. In my experience, uh, that's by far the most common circumstance that surrounds these. And uh, it, it's, it's difficult because you're trying to figure out who's telling the truth. And as much as we like to believe, oh, if you talk to somebody enough, you can figure out just by talk, looking at them, just by hearing their answers, comparing it with somebody else's, oftentimes these situations are he said, she said. Because by and large, most sexual harassment is not happening in a huge auditorium full of people while everybody watches. It's oftentimes in a silent situation. It's a, or, or, you know not a public situation where you have a, a secretary or an administrative assistant who's regularly consulting. Uh, sometimes it's happening on the road. Uh, th- there isn't necessarily a ton of evidence what's proper, what's improper. There's a difference between moral and immoral. Um, and the, the reason why I think that it's probably going to spread through the especially college coaching communities is because just like in Hollywood, you had all these men who had sort of total power over movies and over the future of so many different uh, individuals. I'm not sure in sports right now that there is anybody who is more powerful than a head football or basketball coach at a school that loves football or basketball in college. Just because you are basically a dictator. The reason why Nick Saban left the NFL and came back to college was because he didn't have enough power in the NFL. Because players have guaranteed, or not guaranteed contracts, but long-term contracts. Owners 
obviously decide whether or not you're employed. You got GMs to deal with. When you are a head football coach in a college, you are judge, jury, and executioner. You are the king. You don't answer really to your athletic director boss. You really don't answer as long as you're winning, even to the president of your university. You are by far the most prominent and powerful employee uh, in the entire state, and you're the highest paid. So the fact that guys in that situation would have, with that huge power dynamic that's different, would have uh, would have sometimes uh, ugly situations. And frankly, even if they're not behaving inappropriately, these athletic departments are $100 million businesses, and we're in an era where the moment that you make an allegation, everybody is going to believe it's true. So, man, I just see this as being a, a really messy situation, and it's ironic that this is a, a lead story as we get ready to, uh, to talk with Ole Miss football coach Hugh Freeze and his first real kind of public comments since everything uh, blew up for him uh, in, uh, in the summer before this football season started. By the way, how about the Bengals? Uh, speaking of just total incompetence, am I not totally right that this is the equivalent of a couple that you think is going to get divorced and then they find out they're pregnant? I don't know what changed with the Cincinnati Bengals, but I'm of the belief that if they were anywhere else but Ohio, they would be so much more of a laughing stock. Maybe Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, just decided, you know what, we were great against the Lions. We were great against the Ravens. It's clear this team hasn't quit on Marvin Lewis. I tend to think if they had lost both those games that Marvin Lewis would be gone. But I don't know how you basically decide that you're going to break up and then you decide to stay together for two more years. Let's bring in my crew out in L.A. Uh, Danny G., this is crazy, right? I mean, the (laughs) idea that the Bengals would decide after all this, you know what, we're sticking with Marvin Lewis, he's our guy. Yeah, and it's funny you brought up a divorce because I was reading an SI article from uh, Connor Orr earlier this morning, and he he compared it to a divorce proceeding where he said that the two parties must have looked at each other and really considered what the other options were, and then they <laughs> chose the comfort of a familiar face. It's like, you're, it's like you're both in your 50s, and you're like, man, are we really going to do yeah, that well yeah. out on the market right now? <laughs> like, uh, that's, that's a good I don't, analogy, I don't want to sign up for a swansong.com profile. You yeah. know? So you, that's exactly what it feels like. The problem is... What about, and we don't know very many of them, but they're out there, Cincinnati Bengals fans. This is like a big middle finger to them. Well, I think it just speaks to the fact that there aren't very many good coaches that you feel confident about in the world of the NFL right now. I mean, it's just a place where there's constant retreads, and it's a big job to come in. And I think a lot of owners sit around and say, man, I don't feel very comfortable with the fact that we're going to go out and do better than Marvin Lewis. I think that's probably what Paul Brown did, said. And Paul Brown's, what, 82, 83 years old, I think, maybe even older. And he's been with Marvin Lewis for a long time, and I think that's probably the perfect analogy. He's like, man, I I don't feel like I'm going to get much better than this. Um, And uh, and so I'm just going to go ahead and and, and avoid it. I mean, I, I said, you know, the other analogy is it's like a couple that you expect to get divorced and then they get pregnant instead. There's a lot of people out there that have found themselves in that situation. You're like, this relationship is over. And then you're like, oh, uh-oh, I'm pregnant. Well, we're back together again. All right, let's go, uh, let's go buy a baby crib. Um, and then all it does, I always, make this, I always make this statement. If you're out there right now starting off your day and you're in a relationship and you're like, ah, I've been married a couple of years, not going that well, but we think if we have a baby, it'll solve everything. That's like deciding to uh, light your house on fire and think it's going to keep you warm because it's cold outside. 
it ain't a long. <laughs> trust me, it ain't a very good decision in the long range because whatever complexities you have going on in your relationship, as soon as you add a crying uh, baby that can do absolutely nothing for itself and you go ahead and th- toss in the fact that neither one of you are going to sleep and all the financial pressures and all the scheduling issues that come with having a baby, it, it, I mean, it really is the equivalent of being in a house and sitting around and being like, man, it's kind of cold in this house. I wonder what would happen if I just threw this Molotov cocktail against the wall. Maybe that'll keep us warm. That's what you're doing if you decide to have a baby and you already have uh, discomfort in your relationship. Let me bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia. Let's find out what's shaking the world of sports. All right, Clay, let's start with uh, last night's action in the NBA. Really just one big game to talk about, and it was because of an individual player, but the Cavaliers topped the Trailblazers 127-110. to 110. Isaiah Thomas coming back from seven months off after a hip injury and then a trade from Boston to Cleveland made his Cavaliers debut, came off the bench, played 19 minutes, and had 17 points in the easy win. Also wins for the Spurs, Clippers, Suns, and Hornets. NFL News, the Bengals give head coach Marvin Lewis a two-year contract extension through the 2019 season. 15 years in Cincinnati. He's the all-time winningest coach in franchise history, but he's also never won a playoff game 0-7 and the team didn't even qualify for the postseason this year. Green Bay Packers give head coach Mike McCarthy a one-year extension through the 2019 season. College football, the University of Arizona fired head coach Rich Rodriguez after six seasons in the wake of a sexual harassment allegation and lawsuit to be filed against the school. This report's brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for new or used is a true car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience and clay the 15 finalists of the pro football hall of fame included four players in their first year of eligibility they are ray lewis randy moss brian erlacher and steve hutchinson it's uh you know it's uh interesting that ray lewis can get charged with double murder and be an nfl hall of famer good for him and have a statue outside in baltimore i guess if you tackle enough people it doesn't matter who you killed um lesson lesson for everybody out there um we've got uh hugh freeze coming up here shortly and actually i think we're even going to have him at the end of this hour to start leading into hour two and i think you guys are going to find that really interesting by the way maybe he's a guy that arizona would consider a little bit i i I don't know for sure but uh there's talk that arizona is going to consider butch jones uh i don't necessarily think that's a awful hire for arizona uh, that's from Bruce Feldman. Um, what a mess the state of Arizona football coaching is right now, by the way. Arizona State hired Herm Edwards, and Herm Edwards doesn't know anything about coaching in college football. His assistants all tried to bail on him. Uh, that's a total mess for the Sun Devil fans. And now you're tossing in on top of that the fact that you've got Rich Rodriguez uh, basically getting fired, but they're paying him out his contract. And, uh, yeah, look, I mean, if you're Tennessee, but they're like, please hire Butch Jones so we don't have to pay all of uh, all of his buyout. That would be phenomenal if you paid him several million dollars a year to become a coach. And I do think that Butch Jones would probably fit at a place like Arizona better than he did Tennessee. There's not as much coverage there. There's not as much attention to what's kind of going around, going on on a day-to-day basis. And uh, if you can go eight and four, people are like, okay, you know, uh, Arizona kind of aspires to be an eight and four program whereas Tennessee believes that historically it should contend for SEC championships. I don't really think that Arizona believes that in the football context. Just get to 8-4, and four, we'll be happy. Get us to a bowl game. I mean, there's some good talent there with Rich Rod and the offensive system that he ran. So uh, that would be, uh, that'd be pretty intriguing to see uh, what could happen there. Um, lots of open jobs. I mean, right now in college football and in the NFL, uh, we will talk about all that. I think uh, the Hugh Freeze thing, uh, Jason Martin, I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, 
he hasn't talked to anybody publicly. He's going to join us here in a few minutes. Um, I'm genuinely intrigued just to see what his story is, given that he's basically gone silent ever since Ole Miss fired him. I'm super intrigued. I, you know, I am very interested to know how candid he is going to be willing to be. You would think that if somebody has been pretty buttoned up as long as he has since such a trying situation has occurred within his life, within his family, that maybe he would be really not reticent to talk at this point, that now he really would want to get his story out there. And I hope that that's the Hugh Freeze that we're going to encounter. I think that would probably benefit him more than if he does try to skirt around the issues. And because he seems to wear his faith on his sleeve, or he even did, you know, long before all this stuff went out, that should encourage him as well, I would think, to potentially be more open. Just because we don't know what's going to happen, this could potentially be one of the you know bigger interviews or maybe the biggest interview we've done just because we, we don't have a clue what's going to happen here you know he could go all Colorado on us and hang up you know like it, <laughs> it could happen he could drop on you I can't even remember that guy's name yeah I, Mike McIntyre if Mike McIntyre yeah head coach at Colorado hung up on me during an interview when he didn't like me asking questions but look I mean I think Hugh Freeze wants to get back into the coaching game and yeah. I think he's aware that he needs to address issues about NCAA and about his past and about what happened at Ole Miss. And uh, I think it's a credit to OutKick and our audience and how this has grown that he wants to do it with us. So he's ready. He's going to talk with us starting next segment. We'll have him on for a while. We'll see how this goes. Um, and uh, I'm intrigued to see what exactly the process is going to be like. Uh, also, also, I want to tell you that uh, – we uh, have got a big decision to make here. Uh, does your business have any New Year's resolutions? Many of them do. Here's an important one every business should consider. Make your hiring process more efficient and effective. This year, let ZipRecruiter help. No one can do a better job of transforming how you find the right talent than you can. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates, so you never miss a great match. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Find out today what ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. That's my name, C-L-A-Y. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? TaxSlayer was recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on whatever the heck you want this tax season. Go out and slay it. Max your refund at TaxSlayer.com. We are joined now by former Ole Miss football coach Hugh Freeze, who's conducting and doing with us now. I appreciate you joining us, Coach. His first public interview since uh, what went down at Ole Miss. And before we get into a lot of those details, Coach, I, I know that you are a huge college football fan and spent a lot of time watching all the games that took place on Monday. What did you see in the in the playoff games? What did you see watching football all day long? Clay, I, I watched every game. Uh, if, if they were on at the same time, I, I had the others recording and would get ahead in one and go back to the other. And I think I saw every play of every game on Monday. And I just I love college football. I love the, uh, the atmosphere that it provides for so many universities and their fan bases and the competitiveness and this playoff uh, 
New Year's Six games are just incredible to watch. And I mean, when I'm sitting there, I'm obviously this this past off season not being involved in the game. I'm always looking for things that I think could improve me should I get uh, another opportunity. And everybody's got something that uh, whether it's a situation or whether it's a, a new scheme or something they're they're doing that I think I can adapt and, and put into our stuff. So uh, the Rose Bowl is an incredible you know game to witness, and I know sitting there live in that atmosphere had to be phenomenal. I've got some uh, I've got some good friends that are Georgia fans, and uh, and they were texting through the game and. Uh, asking my opinion on things, and they were quite concerned early on with that off- offensive output of, of Oklahoma. But uh, happy for Kirby and happy for Nick, uh, two good friends and uh, and great coaches and, and great programs. What do you think it means for the SEC to have another All SEC National Title game? Well, it's, it just speaks to the you know the saying is it just means more. And and while some people would uh, say that the SEC you know, had a down year, and maybe that's true. I really don't know how to quantify that. Um, um, certainly the the upper echelon of, of the programs this year, two of them are playing for the national championship, so I think it just speaks to the uh, the, the level of, of grind. I don't know how uh, I could make it anyone understand how hard it is to go through this schedule um, with injuries and and everyone is good enough to beat you on a given day, particularly outside of Alabama and Georgia this year, maybe Auburn. You know, everyone was uh, was really competitive. And um, so it, it just proves, again, that two of the best teams, I uh, can't say that the league was as best this year, I don't know, but, but two of the best teams in the nation are certainly from, from that league. So it speaks volumes. We're talking to Hugh Freeze, and I'm going to kind of run all the way up to the present day and talk with you about what you got going on and what the last year and six months and so of your life has been like. But I want to go back, for people out there listening right now, to Hugh Freeze. It's 1992. You are graduating from Southern Miss, I believe, with a bachelor degree in math and a minor in coaching and sports administration. If I had told you in 1992, if I'd been able to go back in time, that's when Bill Clinton's running, I believe, for the first time against George Bush to kind of put that into context for everybody out there and told you you're going to be a head football coach in the SEC, would you have believed it? Oh, Clay, that was certainly my goal. I actually told my wife uh, on our honeymoon uh, in 1992 um, standing in Neyland Stadium that I would be uh, one day would be a, a head coach at an SEC program and she she foolishly believed me <laughs> she so wait, let's, let me pa- let me pause really you there for dream had passed let me pause you there for a minute you're on your yeah. honeymoon and you I, I think I've read this story you went into Neyland Stadium you snuck in and you told your wife you're at this time what like 22 23 years old and on uh, your honeymoon you're stopping old, okay so you're stopping old, by and uh, tell me that story she was she was nervous we were going to get arrested or something for uh for there was a gate that was open and we just kind of uh, slid in and and walked down on the field there and we were in Gatlinburg on our on our honeymoon and I wanted to see Neyland Stadium I was a Tennessee I had was a pretty big Tennessee fan um, and so we we walked in and you know I just told her that I said that one day I'm gonna I'm gonna be a head coach in the SEC program and. 
she believed me then. And so in 92, you go to work and, and start that dream, and you work at Briarcrest, uh, which is a school in Memphis, private school, and, and later you'd get somebody playing you in the movie, uh, The Blind Side, that's where Michael Orr was. At, uh, and, and what was your training at that point to become a head football coach? Like in 1992, what knowledge basis did you bring to the equation when you started becoming a high school assistant coach? Well, I was raised, uh, my, my two options, you know, that I always saw as, as, as reasonable for me were either coaching or farming. Uh, I was raised on a farm, and my dad was part owner in the farm and also a high school football coach, and those were the only two things I knew. And uh, I knew from an early age I did not want to farm, so coaching was a, a natural, natural gravitation for me. And, and the biggest influences in my life were, were my high school coaches. And whether it was baseball, basketball, football, I just, you know, in that community that I was raised in, you know, the, the coach was whatever he said was, was the gospel. And, you know, and that's the way I was raised in my home and, if coach says this, then that's what you do. And, and I saw the impact that those coaches had on people. And in particular, um, kids that didn't have as much as, as I was blessed to have, even though I don't think we were a wealthy family, we were blessed. And I saw the impact that those coaches had. And it, uh, it was just something that, man, I want to do that. And um, that's what I set my sights on early. I knew when I went to college, that's what I wanted to do. So I um, was just looking for the first opportunity that I had uh, coming out of college. And I think you were there for, is it 12 years at Briarcrest? I was there uh, 13 football seasons. Uh, I left uh, I left in the spring of my 13th year there. So eventually that turned into a big story about Michael Orr. What did you think about the actor they had to play you in the movie? I hope I'm not as goofy as he was in the movie. But, uh, uh, you know, I think that, uh, and I certainly don't carry my cell phone on the sideline um, for, for people to call during games. But, you know, the story was, you know, I wasn't uh, crazy about the guy that played me. But the, 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 the main theme of the story is that now a family, like the Tui family, uh, put their faith in action and, and they didn't just sit back. They made a difference in someone's life and, and it, uh, and you know, the more of us that are willing to do those things and to make an impact on people, you know, it changes people's lives forever. And um, that's what the story is really about. So it really didn't matter how they betrayed me. You went to Ole Miss from Briarcrest. You're there for a couple of years as a tight end. You, by the way, you had a lot of success coaching uh, high school football at Briarcrest. You go to Ole Miss. Uh, I think people are familiar with Ole Miss. We'll come back to that. But then you go to a place called Lambeth. What was it like coaching at Lambeth? Well, I tell you, if, if I can go back just a minute, the, the 13 years at Briarcrest, I really thought my dream had passed of being a college football coach. And, and But the one person that never forgot that was my wife. And she just had told me for three years, Hugh, you're, you're losing your fire. You're losing the edge here. You need to go take an opportunity. I don't care what it is. Go, go get your foot in the door and, you know, we had kids at the time, and our daughters, Reagan, Jordan, and Madison, were were growing. And, you know, you say, I can't go be a GA now. Well, she just kept on, and she was right. And then finally, I just uh, I found um, Ed Orgeron, who I'm indebted to, gave me an opportunity to be an 
kind of just an off the field. Uh, I took a sixty thousand dollar pay cut, and so what did you make that first there, first job at Ole, at Ole Miss? Forty, I think it was forty two thousand. Forty two thousand. You got three girls. Yeah. You said uh, you got a wife. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's, I mean, there's a lot of people out there listening to us right now who know what it's like to suddenly take a big pay cut and have to uh, to make do. But you were kind of investing in yourself, uh, and you went to work for Coach Ed Ogeron, and then you do that for a couple of years, and then you end up at Lambeth. How much did they pay you to yeah. coach at Lambeth? Actually, you you won't believe there was a there was a guy in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, who owns Franklin American Mortgage. His name's Dan Crockett, and um, he took an interest in my hire there, and paid me a salary, I believe, of a hundred thousand dollars, which was you know, probably almost three times what the previous coach was getting there. I think it was actually like one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. So he paid your um, salary as a as a booster, basically, to come coach at Lambeth. He, he he the university was in trouble, and he gave the money to fund the salaries of the foot. I, I don't know if it all came from him or some came from the university, but I do know that he was involved in 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 making ends meet uh, for and, a period of time that we were there. And when I went there and saw the, the lack of facilities, the lack of things that they had, I man, it was just, but I saw the team working out and I just, I told Jill that she was with me then and I said, I, man, they have nothing here and I want to see if we can come here and make a difference and win. And man, I had two great years there other than we didn't get paid for five months, our staff didn't. And, that was kind of uh, difficult to go through for the families that you brought there. But, but man, we had a blast coaching ball there, and I think we won 22 games there in two years. It, it was fun. Coach Hugh Freeze with us here. He's going to hang with us through uh, this break as we move into Hour 2. We started a little bit early with him, and I thought, why not go back and figure out exactly how Hugh Freeze got to the point where he became the head coach at Ole Miss. So I appreciate him joining us a little bit early here. He's going to stick with us. He's going to be with us now as we move into Hour 2 and get into NCAA issues, issues in his own personal life. What does he want to do next? All that on OutKick next. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We are joined now for most of our two. We've got scheduled now. Ole Miss, former Ole Miss football coach Hugh Freeze is with us. He hasn't talked to the media uh, or the press, really, certainly not in a public setting like this, uh, since he was fired as Ole Miss's football coach. And and I gave you a last segment, a little bit of background. Uh, Hugh Freeze joining us. I appreciate him coming up uh, early in the morning with us here. Uh, talking about how he got uh, his start in coaching. And let's go ahead and skip ahead to Ole Miss. You get that job. You fulfilled that dream that you had walking into Neyland Stadium, told your wife you were going to be a head football coach one day in the SEC. Bang, you've got it. What did it feel like that day? Um, Euphoric. I mean, just uh, overwhelming uh, feeling. Um, so blessed and, and just like, is this really happening? And, um, you know, to be able to share it with my wife and kids and my mom and dad, my brother and sister who all, you know, are from North Mississippi and so many dear friends that I have and, and, and to have Archie Manning back and you and Mike Glenn, those two people who were really the search committee then, 
I, I mean, I just remember Clay having a very difficult time um, taking it all in and, and really feeling, man, am I really uh, worthy of of this opportunity and 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 can I get it done? You know, I'd been able to to get it done at Lambeth and at Arkansas State, uh, two pros that hadn't won a lot. Um, but this was a whole nother deal because I was very familiar with the SEC, in particular the West that Ole Miss played in, and and that they hadn't won an SEC game in two seasons and all of that. And it was uh, it was it was quite overwhelming day, feeling both blessed and uh oh, can, can I really? Can I really make a difference here and, and win? And so you go to Ole Miss, and that's after doing a, a year at Arkansas State where you went ten and two. You win seven games in year one. You win eight in year two, nine in year three, ten in year four, and you win the Sugar Bowl and finish uh, with an incredible run there. And then uh, your last year at Ole Miss in 2016, you go five and seven. Now a lot happens over the course of that tenure, and that's why I think your story becomes kind of so fascinating, and not only fascinating in the world of sports, but also for people out there who do a variety of things in their life. Uh, no matter what your profession is, no matter what it's like as a husband or a wife or a dad or a mom, grandma, or grandpa, everybody has different roles throughout the course of their life. What, you said you were kind of overwhelmed when you get the job there, and then you start to have really success. You bring in a lot of recruits. Was there a moment in time where you started to think, man, I got everything figured out? <laughs> you know, I think pride is a uh, is a subtle enemy that uh, doesn't just come saying, here I am. And while if you were to get I think most of my friends to describe me, they, they would say the guy's pretty much stayed the same as he's always been, but there is no doubt in my mind um, that um, the first few years at, at Ole Miss, um, I, I struggled with with subtle attacks of, of maybe thinking, you know, I've got this all figured out, and and we've won seven, we've won eight, and we've won nine, and uh, we'll just keep doing this and 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 keep winning. There was, I had someone tell me when when I took this job um, after our first year that you know what, Hugh, you've you've lost uh, something that you probably will never regain. And I said, what is that? And he he said, normalcy. And I, I had no idea really what he was saying and he's a mentor of mine and continues to be to this day but um, it's just um, man there's no way I can describe how a guy like me um, could be totally prepared for a job like the SEC and I thought I was and that was pride in in and of itself and I was in many facets um but then the attack started from our success, and and obviously we'll talk later about uh, an issue I was dealing with in my personal life also. But the the attack started, and man, I didn't know how to handle that clay. I had never experienced that, and um, I, I know now, and, and I would handle it differently now. And and I start, and I tell you that the biggest sign to me that I was struggling with some pride is I cared way too much about what people would say. What's that like? 
Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that's matter. that's interesting because I think for a lot of people out there, regardless of what they do for a living, um, especially in a social media age and with everybody, like it's easy to Google your name. It's easy to figure out what people are saying about you. And we'll get to the NCAA investigation here in a minute. But when you start hearing people say, and, and Hugh Freeze is a fraud, Hugh Freeze yeah. is a fake, Hugh Freeze is a liar. Like these are attacks on you and they're from people you don't know and you can't necessarily respond and defend yourself to them. But it takes a really thick skin to get used to it. And I, I don't know necessarily that others out there who aren't in the public eye really think about it that much. What did you find that experience to be like where, you know, you may have critics when you're a head coach at Briarcrest in Memphis, but most of them you know, right? I mean, you can go talk to them directly and say, hey, I understand you didn't All like right. that play call. I didn't. I understand you didn't like the way that I decided to use your kid in that game. And it's a smaller circle. And then as your circle of, uh, of influence expands, there's a lot fewer people that you can talk to to kind of figure out what's going on. What was that experience like for you to suddenly be right, I would say, you know, right into the fire, so to speak, of major SEC competition? Yeah, it. it um, I, I obviously cared too much about it, and, and you would read or hear or your kids would read or hear or, or your wife uh, something that um, is not accurate or, or not true, and it was difficult, and it was... Uh, and I made it worse by some of the decisions that I made. And, um, you know, I had a, a national media guy that writes for the USA Today tell me, tell me that. And, and he was right. I didn't, I didn't, uh, know it at the time. Or, and then my agents always told me that. And, but, but I've always thought, well, man, I can get along with anybody if they just get to know me. And I know how I do things. And I know that I'm not going to cross certain lines. And now I have in my personal life, or, or that was a while ago, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. But, um, and all of that was going on internally with me, and I'm still seeing great things. I know that our program is good for kids, and it's making a difference in them, and we're winning games, and we're building, and working for people like Ross Bjork was, was awesome. And, um, but yet I'm, I'm struggling with why, why is this attack like this? And certainly, you know, we're beating Georgia and Alabama and, and LSU and A&M and Texas and and things that maybe Ole Miss is not supposed to be doing in a lot of people's eyes nationally, even though I think recruiting to Ole Miss is, is something that is not as hard as people imagine. But it was very difficult for me to comprehend all of that, and I had not I had not dealt with that at Arkansas State or Briarcrest or Lambeth at all. And and obviously was not uh, as prepared as I should be. And it's one of the reasons I have such great admiration for Nick Saban and and the, some of these guys that uh, really, man, his focus is so lasered on on the process for his team that he really doesn't care um, about uh, what people are saying or what they're thinking. And, and this year away from it, and while I'm still having to hear a lot of things that, um, certainly some is justified, some is not exactly accurate, but um, I have gotten a lot better about, you know what, my wife and my kids and my circle, my, my inner circle, and if I'm fortunate enough to have a team again, but those are the ones that really matter, and uh, and not all of the others, but didn't, I wish I could redo that for sure. 
And one of the things you did was you sent out a tweet saying, hey, if you think we've done anything wrong, turn it into Ole Miss compliance, and then that blows up. Was social media good or bad for you, do you think? Bad. Um, I think there's there's been a lot of good things that have happened from it, and, and I don't get on it and check it near as much as I used to or, or even read responses. I'll, I'll send something out every now and then, but um, – it just was uh, that was not a, a smart move there, and genuinely, Clay, I, I was I was being very genuine because I talked to my AD. I said, "Man, if something's happening, you know, we need to know it." And um, boy, that that really snowballed into uh, something that that I wish it uh, I wish I would not have had sent that out. But I genuinely wanted um, the truth of that. If if there was something that someone knew, um, I will say social media. I created a an account this past year uh, and put it out on social media for an email for my former players. And many other people have used that email. And, man, I, I've had some really neat conversations with people, uh, some who really uh, weren't very fond of me uh, but wanted to have an opportunity to just talk with me. And I think uh, there's been some neat, neat conversations through that. And then, man, to be able to, I wrote a letter to every former player of mine to um, just to, to reconnect the all the way back to Briarcrest and man, some of the encouragement I got from them of what our program meant to them and how we did it has just fueled me. How and, many uh, how many notes was that? It's got to be how many notes did I write? Yeah, I wrote one note to and sent it to every former player. I mean, that has to be hundreds of people, right? Oh yeah, it's it's anyone who who made contact on that email I sent to, and it's it's well over, I would say over two fifty. Yeah, so so you obviously loved coach. We're talking to Ole Miss uh, former Ole Miss head football coach Hugh Freeze, and you're having a lot of success on the field. But you're at Ole Miss, and like you said, you ran off a lot of the teams that you guys are beating: the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Texases of the world that Ole Miss has traditionally not beaten. And there starts to be a lot of drum beats of impropriety. Ole Miss is doing things other people are not doing. The NCAA has investigated this. And, and I do think this is in, in worth discussing because you know this case better than just about anybody. What did, And now they've come back with their rulings. What did the NCAA find that you personally had done? And what kind of penalties, if any, did they levy against you? Yeah, they, they for five years have you know investigated uh, our program thirdly and and the findings that they found against me personally were, were just that I did not monitor booster activity um, in particularly with two staff members um, that, that were on my staff and um, that's that's the only finding they found against me there was no uh, individual charge of anything um, that I did. Uh, that was that was impermissible or wrong, but something I didn't do, and that's that I did not monitor closely enough um, some of the booster activity with with in regards to our staff. Uh, the penalty is uh, a two game suspension if I'm a head coach somewhere and and for two conference games. And how long would that penalty as a head coach last? Is that for years uh, just, ahead? As many just years? This season. Just this uh, season. It, what, if if I'm not now, there is no penalty if I'm not a head coach. 
Okay, so you could I be could, an offensive be an coordinator offense. anywhere yeah, I could in the be country. An offensive coordinator with no penalty because, again, their finding was that they actually said that uh, their exact words of the committee were that he he was his his uh, compliance efforts were very admirable, and um, so they they felt they they ruled that I did promote an atmosphere of compliance, but that I failed um, in a mitigated way in monitoring. Um, the the booster activity. So um, it's the the only chart. The only penalty would be if I'm in a position of head coach monitoring for this season. Now, after this season, it goes away. There's no penalty, and there's no penalty this year to be you know in the system of some type. Okay, so what's it like to be under the microscope from the NCAA for as you said five years? What does that feel like? It uh, it took a toll on me that uh, like nothing has before, and not just me. Uh, certain the, the program and and uh, the administration and the fans. It's uh, it's something. Uh, if you've ever had anything, and those that are listening to us, if you've ever had anything that every single day it is on your mind and it doesn't bring pleasant thoughts and it brings angst and it brings worry and it brings anxiety. If that's what it was like the entire time. It was never a day that um, that Ross and I didn't talk about it or I didn't talk to compliance about it or a recruit about it or your staff about it or your wife about it. It it, it took a uh, it took a toll on, on a lot of people and, and on the program. You know, we were able to to recruit uh, very well even under the microscope I thought. But but we missed on some key people, and a lot of it was due to the fact that we couldn't give them great answers on exactly what the end end result would be, and and it took. I think it's it's taken a toll on on the program. We're going to get to what it was like for Hugh Freeze to lose his job, what it was like to have to confront his family and talk about his failings and his personal life, all that and more still to come. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Former Ole Miss football coach Hugh Freeze with us uh, this hour here on Outkick the Coverage. But first, let me bring in Eddie Garcia find out what's shaking the world sports. Well, Clay, in the NBA, just one game really of note. The Cavaliers top the Trailblazers 127-110. to 110. Isaiah Thomas making his Cleveland debut all to his season debut after seven months off with that hip injury then the trade from Boston to Cleveland. He came off the bench, played 19 minutes, and had 17 points in the win. In NFL news, the Bengals give head coach Marvin Lewis a two-year contract extension. He spent 15 years in Cincinnati, still hasn't won a playoff game. Green Bay Packers give head coach Mike McCarthy a one-year extension through 2019. College Football University of Arizona fires head coach Rich Rodriguez after six seasons in the wake of a sexual harassment allegation and lawsuit to be filed against the school. And Clay, 78-year-old Bill Snyder reportedly going to return as head coach at Kansas State next season. It'll be his 27th season as head coach of the Wildcats. Ole Miss football coach uh, Hugh Freeze with us. Thanks, uh, Eddie Garcia, for the update there. Coach, a lot of people out there listening to us right now are probably saying, yeah, but this is Ole Miss. They're bringing in great players, Laramie Tunsil, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, they're winning games, like you said. They're beating teams that maybe they shouldn't have beaten or hadn't beaten in past years. Beat Nick Saban in Alabama back-to-back years. Beat Texas. Uh, beat the Georgias of the world. How much of this has to do with you being at Ole Miss in terms of 
all the scrutiny? How much of that had to do with Ole Miss just not having done it before, with you doing it, frankly, with recruits that typically hadn't gone to Ole Miss? Well, certainly winning uh, draws the, the attention, but I think the, the bottom line is whether you won or lost is is did we and and, and like you say if you if you lost uh, you're probably not going to get um, the the criticism or the or the raised eyebrows or whatever we we call it, but the bottom line is really did we do right or did we not and and you know I was. The, the facts are that I, I was a leader of a program that was found to have some things done in it that was that were not permissible. And, you know, anyone can go read those, and I have to be accountable for that. And I think and our university has to be accountable for that and believe that that we were being accountable in, in, the, in the things that we self-imposed and, and really believe that, that we – um, more accountable in those areas to, to self-impose things for where things were found to be impermissible or uh, to have crossed boundaries somewhere. And so, you know, I can't, there's no way I can sit here and tell you today anything but the truth. And the truth is that there were some things throughout that five-year process that were found to, to be, you know, impermissible. That's the professional side of your life. And professionally, you are a football coach, but also a job like yours is almost impossible at times to enter, to disconnect the personal and the private, right? Because you're a football coach and you're also a dad and you're a husband and you got three kids. As part of that, it's almost like politics is war by any other name. Uh, Your personal life also then gets involved in the overall investigation with the NCAA. Yeah. But you had already kind of, uh, I believe, addressed issues in your own personal life, your own marriage, your own family relationship before it all went public. And I'm not going to get into the, all the specifics. I got a wife. You got a wife. Lots of people out there listening got wives, husbands, everything else. But yeah. you had already tried to address in your family the mistakes that you had made in your marriage and in your fa- family life before it ever went public. What can you tell me about that? Well, it's uh, uh, the biggest, um, uh, you know, regret of my life is, is that um, I crossed a boundary that uh, that did not honor my wife totally, and um, or my family, or my friends, or my who I am. I mean, I've, I worked really hard for a large portion of my life to build a name that's, that's based on certain things, and you know, while I, I, I fully know, and even even know better now that in any marriage i mean if we jill and i've been able to talk to a lot of marriages there's there's people you go through problems and you know, we're certainly no exception but i caused this one um by by making you know decisions that that were not honoring to my wife and i knew that and it uh, troubled me greatly and that's why, yeah, months, months earlier, before this became public knowledge, I had already confessed this to two dear friends, and uh, Chad Spencer and Ben Crane, who are two of my accountability guys, and they began to help me walk through that and make sure that I was held to a standard where that's not part of who I am. And um, a few months after. I made them aware of it. I, I told Jill also that I, that uh, I hadn't honored her, and 
that was uh, very difficult, Clay. It was uh, something I never want to do again, and uh, it was uh, it was hard. And I, and then to have to tell your kids that is uh, is very difficult. And so but, I think you but could never hear knew it. it would go public. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was, and, I thought and, it was and, over with. You know that that is that is I think a really important part here, and we're talking to Hugh Freeze. I mean. You're a dad of three daughters. You've got a wife. Um, you have a private life. You, like every person out there, have not have done things in your life that you're not happy about, that, that don't live up to your religious faith or whatever moral standards you might have. And you had confronted that in your own private life. You'd talked to your wife. You'd confessed even to your friends and certainly to your family and your daughters. Uh, and then, and also in the pit of your stomach, though, you have to be thinking – Man, I screwed up, but I hope this doesn't go public. It's embarrassing for you, but I can say personally as a dad, you wouldn't even be that concerned about yourself at that point. I know the way I think, and I think there's a lot of dads and moms out there also. You think, man, I hope my kids don't have to go through the stupid mistakes that their dad made suddenly getting blown up and becoming front page news. And then it happens. What was it like living with that knowledge in the pit of your stomach? Even if you had done it privately and even if you were good and working to make your family as, as, as tight as they can be going forward, what was it like to have that hanging over your head while you're in such a public job? Uh, I, I, can't, I can't even uh, describe the, the, the misery. Uh, it's, uh, and not just, I mean, for your kids to have to see you know, I, I told my wife long before and, and a couple of my friends, you know, um, you, you live with that fear that, man, you know, that, that your sins could find you out. And um, even though I knew I'd handled it the right way and was experiencing victory and not uh, not crossing boundaries that, that I shouldn't be crossing and yeah, but then when it goes public and man, you have to look your kids in the eyes again and and your wife in the eyes again because they didn't sign up for the the public life and and not only that, um, it, the hurt that you cause players and their families and the and a university that stood with you because of the way you ran a program through through un, unbelievable scrutiny in the NCAA case and they had stood with me and. And, um, you know, I wish we could have stood together through this, but we were under such scrutiny and I just, my past put them in a bad spot. Where uh, were you when you found out that this might go public? Well, Ross came to me and... Ross is your athletic director, Ross Bjork at uh, Ole Miss. Yeah, Ross Bjork came to me whenever this, this phone number was found by whoever found it and it was in a lawsuit the Houston Nut had filed, and then somebody's going through all these phone records, and and then they come to you, and, and what, what does that feel like when that, that conversation takes place? Well, my heart just sank, and, and but I, I, my dad had always told me, you own what you did, and, you know, there's been a lot of people that told me I, I shouldn't have, uh, I shouldn't have done, you know, been this transparent, but that's all, you know, that's what my dad had always taught me, and. I believe in, in doing that's what I've taught my kids. And so when Ross came to me and and to, to inquire about it, I said, uh, I don't know specifically anything about that number, but I, I will tell you what I've done in my past. And and so I shared with him, you know, everything. I owned what I'd done and, and knew that uh, 
and told him then I expect, you know, now that it's gone public, I would expect discipline from you. I, I get that. I understand it. But I want you to know that I have dealt with it and, um, you know, with my wife and, and others, but I do understand and I put you in a tough spot again, you know, and you've stood with me and you're in a tough spot and I would expect discipline and was hopeful that, that, uh, that we may could get through it. But, uh, again, I put them in a, I put them in a tough spot with all the scrutiny that we already had. And, and so, you when know, did you find out that you weren't going to get to keep your job at Ole Miss? I'm sorry? When did you find out that you weren't going to get to keep your job at Ole Miss? Did he tell you then, or was it a phone call, or how did you become no, aware? Um, it was, to, I believe, two days later um, in, in the chance, at the chancellor's house. And so I, I, I always – I'm just kind of curious on this. He calls you and he says, can you come meet with me? The chancellor does, and then he delivers the news face-to-face. And if that's what happened, what did that feel like in that moment? Uh, like my whole world had uh, just uh, crashed in on me, you know, and just – I knew that we would – I knew, you know – I knew that we would make it as a family because it wasn't new to us. Uh, some of it was was new to my kids. Uh, I want to be careful and, and be very transparent, as you know, because you don't tell your kids everything that you tell your wife. But I knew that uh, I would have to tell them, um, you know, a little more than I'd already told them. But um, you just feel like I knew that our our family would, would make it through. We're strong, and, and we have faith in each other. And, again, we had already been walking through things. Um, but, man, you immediately think, man, I've worked hard, and I know that I, I know outside of this personal decision, I know that we run a good program and we do good things for kids and we mentor them well, and the staff I had were tremendous men um, that are doing good things for kids too. and. Um, and you just think in that moment, you're like, oh, this, this changes everything. And, um, it was a, a job that again, on my honeymoon deemed as man, a dream to, to be a head coach in this conference. And because of a personal failing and a personal decision that, that I made, um, I, I forfeited that opportunity for this time being. And it was just a, I mean, my friends came to the house that night and, um, you know, were incredibly supportive. But when you got to look your mom and dad in the eye and, and tell them, uh, that's tough. It's not easy. Talking with you, Freeze, Ole Miss football coach. We're going to finish final segment with him up next. We'll continue to unpack this story. I'm Clay Travis. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Former Ole Miss football coach Hugh Freeze here with us. Hour two, outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, what has the last year been like for you as you've dealt with all the fallout from your personal and professional failings? Um, the letters and emails from my former players have been a, a huge encouragement to me that, man, Coach, you're, you you got to get back in it. You, you're you're – you, you changed my life. You, you did this. I mean, that I can't tell you how much the encouragement uh, from those guys has been. Uh, my my community here, I have two different small groups I'm in. 
uh, of men that uh, that are doing life together that have been incredible. And, man, our family has been just uh, just so steadfast, and and then the friends, and I tell you, the community. I know that there are people that are hurt and that I've hurt and and are still struggling to process everything that that has happened. And they love their university and they're passionate about it. And and uh, I've asked the Ole Miss family to to forgive me, but I'm certain that there are some that that still would struggle um, to do that. And I understand it. I get it. Um, but I haven't. Man, here in this community, they have supported my kids. We chose to stay here because of my kids. I wanted to leave, but uh, my daughter was captain of a volleyball team and, um, in her senior year, and so we stayed. And the, the, the Oxford community has been incredibly supportive, uh, as has the church here at Pine Lake. We members that. And so the support has been really, really good. You immediately play, find out who your real friends are, um, and whether it's in the coaching world or whether it's, uh, or whether it's just, you know, people that, uh, they were around you because of a title you had, you, you find out that quickly. And, um, when people in the coaching world won't return your calls or your text anymore, you, you, you kind of know, uh, what, that they were friends with you, but I've had some incredible ones. I'm telling you, uh, you know, from Coach Saban to Coach uh, Miles on to Brett Bielema, Gary Patterson, Larry Fedora, and those, those Barry Odom, those guys have, have checked on me throughout this whole deal, and I know they've got better things to do, and there's more. I shouldn't start naming names because I, I forget somebody, but um, – the encouragement I've re- we've received as a family, in particular from my wife and kids and myself too, but it's been incredible. Now, being outside of football has been brutal. It's uh, you, you struggle to find. Uh, you feel like there's there's a purpose missing in your life, and I don't know how to feel that yet. Um, I was able to. You know, I'm not I'm not somebody to say woe well, is me and to sit back and, and I'm a guy that believes, hey man, the blessings ahead are always greater than the battle that's behind you and you cannot look in the rearview mirror and you know what it's I've made peace with my past and owned it and I've been accountable for it and paid paid a hell of a price for it from for the things I didn't do right. Um but even though my situation and status as a as a coach is unresolved right now, I assure you, I'm totally resolved. I'm resolved to be a better husband, father, coach, mentor, friend, colleague, and so I just took on that attitude. And, and while some don't understand how can he get past this so fast, again, they don't they don't really understand this has been a two year deal for me. It didn't just happen in July, and so. You know, I don't want to offend anyone, but I've got to get past it. And I've been dealing with it for a long time, maybe not in the public eye. And so I just started, man, I started actually playing golf with uh, some older guys, some elderly men. And, man, had a blast with those guys and then tried to just really dive into trying to help um, the, the people that I've coached throughout the years because you wouldn't believe the number of people that are dealing with struggles. And, and that's you know one of the things. If my struggle can help them get through it, I, I want to use that. 
one of the things people would say, I know you want to get back into coaching, and you'd love to be an offensive coordinator somewhere on the sidelines or a head coach somewhere as, as soon as you could. And one of the things that people are going to say if they don't want you to succeed is they're going to say, how in the world is Hugh Freeze going to go into a living room and persuade a mom, a grandma, a dad, a grandpa, whoever he's got to in that family, a, a significant caregiver, that their son should go play football for Hugh Freeze? That's something you're going to have to answer. What would you say to those critics? Man, I think I'm going to be better at it than I ever was. Um, I, I can't tell you. There, there's very few homes that I've ever gone into that that family is not dealing with some type of issue or some type of failure or some type of struggle. And I think sometimes we are looked at and, and you know, and people had looked at me like, well, this guy, you know, his morals are, are outstanding and, and all of whatever people thought of me. Or and now because you wore your religion on your you wore your religion on your sleeve and yeah and 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 you know what and Clay is as real as my faith is and and I know there's a lot of people that say it's not my faith is very very real but so was my struggle and it's possible to have both that's why I need faith is because I'm not perfect and um, but man to be able to go into a home now and say. Let me tell you about this coach I'm coaching for if I'm an assistant who who just who gave me grace and a second chance and here's why because I'll be transparent with them and I know your family has dealt with with, with struggles and things and man I'm prepared to help your kid through the next struggle. You think your son's not going to have struggles uh, come in his life or through his college experience and and now because of mine I'm speaking firsthand from experience. I know what like to have to fight and to get through a battle with your loved ones and, and to hang in there amid when all hell's coming against you. And I've lived it. And this university that has hired me has given me an opportunity um, to tell my story to you. And I just think through genuine, transparent communication, I think it's going to make me a better recruiter. Coach Freeze, uh, we're talking to Hugh Freeze. Have you had any conversations with coaches about potentially being offensive coordinator for them in the 2018 season? And if so, do you think it's going to happen? Um, th- there have been conversations. Uh, there, there's been no official offers made or anything like that. And, and I think they have to decide, you know, am I the right fit for them at this juncture of uh, for their university and with, with the media attention that, that uh, my hire could possibly bring? Um, and so there's been nothing official, um, but, you know, trust me, I'm, I'm, I I believe that, uh, that I have value to add to a program and I I really want to be a servant to a program and to a coach and to a university. And, and Jill and I are just praying that the right fit and the right administration and the right head coach is, is out there somewhere. And, I do believe I'll get another chance at some point. Um, I don't know how soon, and I try not to to think about that because it makes me anxious. Um, but I, I do believe that when I do, um, I will be better prepared than ever to honor that position, to honor that coach that hires me, that administration that hires me, that university that hires me, and, and I have studied more offensive football than I have ever before, and 
we were pretty good. My five years at Ole Miss, averaging over 30 points every year, but in 29, one of those years in the SEC West, and that's pretty good. And well, that's... Uh, I, I, I've dived into that stuff, and I think I've got a really good plan. Last question for you. You've been married for over 20 years. 25. 20, over 25 years. What yep. have you learned about your wife and her toughness in being able to handle this situation? I'm so glad you asked. She's the strongest woman I, I know. Um, before this, I would have said uh, my grandmother was. Um, but you know, my wife is, is the most faithful, solid strongest uh, individual that I know, then um, I, I am so blessed uh, to have her as my mate, and uh, she has been an encourager, and it's just unbelievable strength, unbelievable uh, resolve, and unbelievable belief in her husband and, and what he is and who he is and how he can and what he can be, and uh, she, she's been incredible. Coach uh, Hugh Freeze, I know it's been tough. Uh, and look, you like you said, you brought some of this, st- a lot of this stuff on yourself, and everybody has struggles in their life. But I also know you've been looking forward to finally being able to talk and kind of like you said, reemerge in the profession that you've chosen and that you love. And I appreciate you coming on with us today because I think that there's a lot of people out there listening to you right now who, regardless of what they do for a living, They've had their own struggles in their own life, and they may have been embarrassed and made decisions that they're not proud of. And uh, confronting them head on and being as honest as you possibly can is always my advice to everybody out there. And I got to say, I think this is as honest of an interview as we've ever had on the show, and and you've been as straightforward as anybody can be. Well, I'm at a point in my life that's that's what I'm going to be, and you know, I am what I am—the good and the bad—and certainly. I wish I could take away all the bad that, uh, in particular, this this one area that that I had a period of time that I had a poor, poor lapse of judgment. I wish I could take it back, but I can't. But I can look forward, and 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 I just believe that people that have great resolve, that are accountable and own what they've done, which I, I have, and I've paid a price and. Um, I just believe that the failures make you stronger, and uh, and I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to fight, and, and somebody's going to give me an opportunity one someday, whether it's a college, whether it's a NAI school, I, I don't, whatever it is, uh, I'll get an opportunity one day. I'm praying, and and when I do, I, I'm going to be better. We'll have you on when you get that next job, and uh, in all honesty, I'm rooting for you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Clay. Well, you know, thanks to Hugh Freeze there, I don't know that I've ever heard somebody be more honest, certainly in sports radio, with answering every question I got. We're going to open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. Heavy stuff early in the morning. Hugh Freeze finally addressing all of the imperfections in his life, both personal and private. And, uh, man, what an hour plus of radio that was. We'll talk about it with you. 877-996-6369 on OutKick, the coverage. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. 
Uh, wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? TaxSlayer was recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on whatever the heck you want this tax season. Go out and slay it. Max your refund at TaxSlayer.com. Well, we're going to take some of your calls. If you're just getting in your car to start your morning, what an unbelievably intense interview we have just started off your morning with. Reaction pouring in. Uh, on Twitter, reaction pouring in on your phone calls, 877-996-6369. With over an hour we just spent with former Ole Miss head football coach Hugh Freeze. I'll get into the details behind that a little bit here in a minute. want to give you that phone number again if you want to react, 877-996-6369. Also, want to remind you, it's a good time to download the podcast. If you got in your car and you heard part of that interview, or if you're just waking up on the West Coast right now and you haven't heard any of it at all, I think it's something that's worth your time and uh, and, and energy uh, and effort to go track that down. You can search out OutKick on iTunes. Um, and I'm just going to read some of the responses rolling in. Uh, Mike uh, Toes, uh, Hugh Freeze with an incredible interview on OutKick. Scott Hatmaker, imagine if everyone who made mistakes was as authentic as Coach Hugh Freeze. He'll be back pulling for him and his family. Um, uh, this is uh, outstanding interview, says A.J. Winters. Great stuff. Uh, thanks for having Hugh Freeze on the show. Awesome interview so far with Freeze. Really makes me want to slow down on my drive into work. Uh, David Durant, these are all different responses you can find on my Twitter feed. David Durant, just listen to Coach Hugh Freeze on Clay Travis. And a lot of you are, are now hopping on Twitter and arguing that you want him as offensive uh, coordinator. Coach Will Muschamp needs to give him a chance at our offensive coordinator at Gamecock Football. So honest and genuine. Uh, where are you, Coach O? We need him here at LSU. Uh uh, Rhett Stubblefield, this Hugh Freeze's interview with Clay Travis, a disclosure for a job offer, has to be hard to do this. Um, Hugh must be, uh, I mean, what a candid interview right now with Hugh Freeze, says Scarlett and Gray. Uh, incredible hour of Hugh Freeze, be honest and open about his life, whole new respect for the man. Um, it is, uh, Coach Brian says, uh, I hope this Hugh Freeze interview turns to a positive future because I'm going to need a drink before breakfast after this. Um this is, uh, again, an amazing amount of response rolling in from you guys to uh, that interview. And uh, I'm still scrolling through my mentions right now, and I can't uh, quite keep up. Um, it is, uh, and this is, uh, Duke Silver says, Derek Dooley, Lane Kiffin, Johnny Manziel, now Hugh Freeze, all awesome interviews. Is Clay Travis the Dr. Phil of the SEC? It's a pretty funny uh, pretty funny line there. Um uh, Chris Bacon says that curses, man, that was fantastic. Excellent insight for a lot of very prideful men out there. Um, everybody. And then again, lots of people saying these hour long interviews are, are able to land are, are so incredibly good. Uh, says Jordan Graham. Um, and I'm reading again, these are all direct coming into Twitter. Doesn't dance around any questions and you get answers, please do these more often and walk us through how you're able to land the interview. That's a good question. I think that's worth uh, addressing uh, as well. Uh, Jerry Brumfield, please LSU, please hire Hugh Freeze. James Kempton was impressed by Hugh Freeze's interview on OutKick. I hope I, he gets another shot. Um, uh, R Must 66 what a great example of what sports radio can um, uh, and should be insightful, truthful, non-political. Uh, the emotional interview with Hugh Freeze is an insight into everyone's daily struggles with pride, ego, and temptations. 
And then he follows with, Bengals should hire Hugh Freeze as offensive coordinator. Now, again, I appreciate all of uh, you guys um, rolling in. Jay Lawrence, I can't even keep up with all of them, but that was a big boy interview with Coach Hugh Freeze. That was deep. Uh, hashtag big boy radio. Um, and so we're going to take some of your calls, but I do think one, at least one of those comments in there that was interesting uh, was how does something like this happen? It's a good question. Um, first of all, a lot of the credit for our ability to have interviews like this goes to you guys in the OutKick audience because especially for the younger coaches out there, the guys in their 40s, certainly the guys in their 30s, and the ones who are even younger than me in their 20s will probably be doing this for years to come. Uh, but they recognize the, the reach that we have at OutKick. And a lot of them are out there listening in the mornings or listening on podcasts or watching the Facebooks or the Periscopes. So they're part of the OutKick audience too. And frankly, I mean, there are a lot of people who wanted Hugh Freeze to come on and talk with them. And Hugh Freeze reached out to me and said, Clay, I want to do this interview with you. Uh, he said, uh, you know, I think you'll be fair. Uh, he said, I, I know that you'll ask tough questions. He said, I'm just ready to get this stuff off my chest. And so we have a couple of uh, background conversations uh, before uh, he comes on and we do the interview. Uh, but uh, but basically, it's uh, you know he wants the opportunity to come on and answer questions. And I think in the world of sports media, there's a lot of people out there now who are saying, if I have to talk to somebody about difficult things, I want to go on and talk to Clay Travis on OutKick. And I think that's a credit to you guys because our audience has gotten so big. Uh, but I think it's also a credit to... Uh, the space that we provide here. I, I say this all the time. Look, I am uh, you know, not an easy guy all the time to, uh, to, to hear everybody's opinion with, right? Like sometimes you guys are driving around in your car. You know I'm incredibly opinionated. I tell you exactly what I think. Uh, and sometimes you, you agree with me and you're like, God, Clay Travis is a genius today. Other days you're going to say, man, Clay Travis is an idiot today. I can't stand him. But I think what this show has created is an honest space in an inauthentic media, right? And what I mean by that is, all I ask every day of everybody is be as honest as you possibly can because I think that honesty is so rare in our society today that if you come on and you're honest and you call BS when you see it uh, and, uh, and, and you're just straightforward and authentic, it works because there's so much inauthenticity out there. And I think that there's a lot of demand and craving for that. And so, look, when you Free said he was going to come on, I said, look, we're going to have to talk about the issues that, that are going on right now in your life, I'm not going to dodge any of this stuff. And I think people want the opportunity to tell their truth. And they want to tell their story. And, uh, man, if you didn't hear the Hugh Freeze interview, again, I think this is a good time for you to sample the podcast. Go back and listen to the past hour of this show as the uh, as the results continue to, uh, to roll in. We'll play a couple of those cuts for you here in hour three as well. Um, and... Uh, so many people across the country rolling in and wanting to uh, to give us uh, feedback here. I want to bring in um, the crew as well and let them comment on this and also give you the phone number one more time. They're loaded up, but I want you to know, so as you hear people drop off, you can hop on 877-996-6369. Um, and, and again, for people out there who are listening to this, and, 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 and a lot of them are going to be uh, public figures as well because the Hugh Freeze interview is going to go everywhere. This is, a, this is a forum where we try to be honest. And so if you want to come on and you want to have an honest talk with us, I think more so than anywhere in sports media, we'll welcome you. Uh, and if this is your first time to listen to OutKick, well, welcome in. This is what we do. Uh, sometimes we're funny. Sometimes we're ridiculous. Uh, but also I think we can kind of hit every, uh, every emotional tone depending on the day and the, uh, the story. Uh, 
Jason Martin, I, I, I know like you're sitting there riveted in your seat listening like I am. I mean, to me, it was just Hugh Freeze being as honest as he could about his imperfections. Yeah, you know, I think I was struck mainly, at least in the response so far, it's probably, I'd say, 95% positive. There are a few, and there's always going to be a few. There's going to be a few people with eye rolls and a few people that don't buy it and a few people that try to see through it or try to see other motivations behind it. But all I can suggest is that what I heard was a guy that was willing to stand up and basically again in front of America apologize to his family. He's had to do that personally. He's talking about how he basically had to look his mom and dad in the eye and talk about the I mean, mistakes he, broke he down made in talking his life. About, yes. He broke down talking about having to tell his parents about his – I mean, that to me is – that's why – so many of these stories, I mean, what I have found, let me, I, I hate to cut you off here, but I do think this is, this is important. What I have found is that even famous people, and every football coach is famous, right? They, they become famous and they, and they rule, you know, it's like they're, they're larger than life. When you strip down to its basic essence, every football coach and every famous person that's ever existed anywhere in the country is just like you and me in this respect. At some point in time, they have done something that upsets their dad and mom, right? Or if you're a parent, you've done something that upsets your kids. And when you hear people get to the essence of how challenging that can be, I think no matter who you root for, you know, there's a lot of Mississippi State fans out there. I already see them on my Twitter feed. They're like, damn, I hate that guy. And I listened to the interview with you, and now I don't hate Hugh Freeze anymore. And I think it's because... It wasn't about being a football coach. It's about being a son. It's about being a dad. It's about being as honest as you possibly can. And I think for people out there who were listening, it was like, man, this guy just literally stripped his soul to the barest essence. And like, I, it was, I mean, like people were reacting on Twitter. I mean, and, and obviously the calls were about to take. I think that common humanity connects. And, and that, that common humanity connects, I think, because he was being honest. Now, look, there's people out there who can say, oh, he's full of crap. Oh, I don't believe him. And look, you're never going to convince anybody anytime you're giving an honest, what you believe is an honest opinion. Like, read my Twitter feed. I try to come on here and be 100% honest every day. I get murdered in the Twitter streets every day. Now, I love kind of rolling around in the muck and I have fun with it. But I think that, that, that you kind of got to the essence of it there, Jason. Like, when you're talking about having to confess to your parents about your, your personal failings, uh, I think everybody out there listening right now has something that they've done in their past that they're like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. I would hate for this to become a front-page news, uh, newspaper story, and his did. And I, yeah, I think yeah. that, regardless of what you do, is a, uh, is a compelling, difficult, and empathetic moment that just kind of connects on a, on a level of common humanity. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the way that I have tried to live as I've grown more mature and gotten out of some of the bad habits of my youth is that first, obviously, I, I don't want to do something that's going to disrespect my creator. Secondly, I don't want to do something that I would have to look across the table and feel ashamed to tell my parents. And Hugh Freeze had to go through that, but he also had to do it as a father and talk to his children, which is something I can't personally relate to. And of course, a wife that he's loved, a wife that he's been married to for 25 years, who he called the strongest woman, the strongest person in his entire life, he had to admit the failing of all failings to her. And then he had to then come and do it with us. Well, he didn't have to, but he chose to come here and do it with us. 
here this morning after his muck had been put out in public for such a long time. And some people have written him off for all time. I just think that that, you know what, we all live in glass houses. Everybody has made mistakes. Everybody has dealt with temptations. Everybody deserves a chance at redemption. And what I got from Hugh Freeze, and this is this is something that if you are in radio, you can fully appreciate this. The pauses that Hugh Freeze engaged in during that interview proved a couple of different things. One, he's not Mike Vick standing there with a statement. He's not Tiger Woods standing there at a podium with a statement. This is a guy that's being very, very thoughtful as he's trying not to emotionally lose himself and break down as he's trying to be as honest as he can. But those pauses reveal somebody where it was tough for him to say what he said. And as a result, not only did it come across authentic and genuine, but I am rooting 1,000% for Hugh Freeze because I totally believe in a second chance and I believe that he deserves a shot at redemption because, as he said, he paid a price. He lost the dream job of a lifetime. He always wanted to coach in the SEC. He thought he was ready. He made mistakes in his personal life, made bad decisions that cost him that job. I just want to see that guy land on his feet because I, I it just you can just listen to the pain in his voice about what hell his life has been over the last year and a half, two years. And I don't think it's underrated to stay in Oxford. You know, he said he stayed there. Like in the interview, you know, listening to him, and I almost went back and asked him about this. He said he wanted to leave, but he stayed because his daughter was a senior in volleyball. And that detail, you know, as a parent, I think would strike a lot of people too. I mean, Oxford's not a big town. It's not like you're in New York City where, you know, Matt Lauer loses his job for behaving inappropriately and he can go lose himself in 20 million people or whatever it is in the cosm- in the in the uh, in the overall uh, area of New York City and he's just a, a, a tiny number. Hugh Freeze is probably still the most famous person in Oxford, Mississippi. So I think the natural inclination when you get humiliated like Hugh Freeze did when you fall from such a high level is – when you're going to the grocery store, you're going to the gym, or you're going out to uh, to go to a high school uh, volleyball game, you know all eyes are on you in a way that they wouldn't be if you moved to a new town. And uh, that, to me, was an was kind of a, an incredible detail there where I wanted to leave Oxford, but at the same time, I'd let my family down, and my daughter was a senior in high school, and she's the captain of the volleyball team, and uh, and so we stayed. And uh, I think it's a lot tougher to stay in a community like Oxford after a humbling experience and a humiliating experience like Hugh Freeze had. Uh, Let me bring in my guys. And by the way, let's load up the phone lines. I'll take your calls in the next segment. So if you're with us, hang on. uh, 877-996-6369. You can also reach out on Twitter at Clay Travis. Uh, Guys out in L.A. I mean, you know, it's like you need a a shot of whiskey in the morning. Like, I mean, what an interview, right? Yeah, that was really intense. Um, and one thing I take away from it, his wife, Jill, what a badass because, you know, all of us are human. We've all made mistakes. How I spent my 20s in nightclubs, you know, DJing, and you can imagine some of the relationships I screwed up. And if I had to go on a network radio and talk about that with somebody, I, I wouldn't want to. I don't think I could. So for him to not skirt around your questions – I have a new respect for him, definitely. And it's not every day that we have guests here at Fox where I go and search out their Twitter handle so I can tweet them and tell them I enjoyed them being on. And and I found his Twitter at Coach Hugh Freeze and sent him a, a tweet right after the interview. Yeah, you know what? And I also encourage people, if you have, you know, when you hear interviews and you enjoy them or you think people have done a good job on the show, and it's not just for Hugh Freeze, but I think in general that that's a sign of how, you know, our audience is growing. 
I'd encourage you to reach out to him. I mean, Hugh Freeze is on Twitter. I don't know that he'll check his mentions after this interview. I asked him about social media. It hasn't necessarily been great for Hugh Freeze over the years. I don't know that social media is very great for lots of people who are in the public eye because you get a lot of hate. But if you thought that he was honest or you enjoyed his interview or you found it in any way helpful in your own life, that's the other thing that I think You know, that interview, to me, when they're good – it's not a story about sports. It's a story about human life, and it happens to just be a figure who's involved in sports. Reach out to Hugh Freeze at Coach Hugh Freeze on Twitter, uh, F-R-E-Z-Z, F-R-E-E-Z-E, and uh, Hugh H-U-G-H. You can go find him on Twitter. I can also find him through my Twitter feed. I, I tweeted out a link to his profile. I'm at Clay Travis. Uh, Justin Cooper, I mean, you were involved in the, in the drama of childhood uh, uh, acting. Anything more dramatic than that in that interview? <laughs> it was it was pretty dramatic. Um, and like Danny G, uh, the one thing that I you know pull away from that is is the the relationship with his wife and and you know listening to all that. I can just I only hope that that someday I find somebody that stands so solidly with me through thick and thin. It's you know it's it's inspiring. It's wild. Uh, what a day. What a start to the morning. Uh, again, I'd encourage you to go down with the podcast. If you didn't hear it, we'll play a few cuts for you before we finish the show. Um, but I'd encourage you to go listen to the entire interview in context because that's always, uh, I think, the best way. We will take your calls, I promise, next. You can load up the phone lines. If you're still with us, as many of you are, and I can't even see the full list, so we may have loaded lines. But if we don't, 877-996-6369. Your reaction's next. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. A couple of cuts from the Hugh Freeze interview for those of you who might have just uh, missed some of it. Again, I'd encourage you to go download the podcast. The whole thing will be up. Uh, but here are a couple of cuts, and then I'm going straight to your calls. Uh, let's listen to a couple of those moments from the interview right now. You just think you, you, in that moment, you're like, oh, th- this this changes everything. And um, it was a, a job that, again, on my honeymoon, deemed as, man, a dream to, to be a head coach in this conference. And because of uh, a personal failing and a personal decision that, that I made, um, I forfeited that opportunity for this time being, and it was just a, I mean, my friends came to the house that night, and, um, you know, we're incredibly supportive, but when you got to look your mom and dad in the eye and, and tell them, uh, that's tough. It's not easy. That's Hugh Freeze talking about the moment uh, when he lost his head coaching job. We've got a bunch of calls. I'm going to go to them now. Uh, Charles in Mississippi calling in. Uh, says Jason Martin that he is uh, Hugh Freeze's brother-in-law. He does yes, indeed. Sir, that's yes. correct. Charles, I appreciate you calling in. Well, uh, you listened to the interview there. I mean, uh, what did you think as you listened to uh, to your brother-in-law there uh, kind of bearing his soul, I would say? You know, he's, he's straight heartfelt, guys. I mean, everything that he said today is straight from his heart. And to sit there with him Christmas Eve, and uh, he, he look across the room at each and every – person sitting in there is mothers, fathers, his wife, daughters, and nieces, nephews, and sister and brother, uh, and tell each one of us, I'm sorry that I put you guys through this. You know, that's a servant's heart, nothing but a servant's heart, because it had nothing to do with us, but he wanted to make sure that he, we knew that 
he was sorry for whatever happened. What's that like to have somebody who your brother-in-law, right? You see him. I think he said he's been married for over twenty-five years. So when you get to know him, he's totally anonymous. Nobody else knows him. You watch him climb up, you know, sort of the uh, the ladder of fame, and you get all the way to the top of the ladder of fame in sports. Certainly in the South, it's being an SEC football coach, and everything seems like it's going perfect. And then all of a sudden, that ladder just gets it ranked, yanked right out from underneath the feet. What's that like to watch as a brother-in-law? You know, it's the closest thing to death. You know, just saying that you can imagine. On top of the hill and then falling down. Just like being a father and losing your whole family there for a minute. It, it, it is it is amazing. Now, he talked about his wife, Jill. I'm assuming that is your uh, your sister, Um what no, that, that I'm actually married. I'm actually married to Hugh's sister. Jill would be okay. my sister-in-law. Yeah. So, uh, and and to, to to have the entire family rolled up into it, I appreciate the call, uh, Charles. Um, but man, what an uh, what an unbelievable uh, turn of events over the last year to see something like this happen and then try to climb your way uh, back out. So, but the guy you heard on the radio talking to me is the exact same guy you see and saw at Christmas Eve. Absolutely, without a doubt, and. You know, much love. People could learn a lot from listening. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot, my man. Um, that's uh, Charles in uh, Mississippi, uh, brother-in-law of Hugh Freeze, calling in to react to the interview that we just played in the last hour. Let's go to uh, Carl in Philadelphia. Carl, what's up? Hey, Clay. Um, so I'm actually on my way to court this morning to finalize my divorce, and um, I will tell you that my indiscretions weren't a tenth of Hugh Freeze's. But, um, you know, I, I got a taste of success, and I failed, and my wife bounced. And uh, I got a lot of credit to a woman that goes through tough times and stands by her man because mine sure as hell didn't. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there. I mean, and, and I appreciate the call, and good luck with uh, with the uh, the rest of, uh, of your life, Carl. Thanks for, for sharing with us. I think there's a lot of people out there that, that feel like that, you know, like that you're going to have struggles. I mean, I think the idealized version of a marriage is, you know, happily ever after and you don't ever fight with your spouse and you don't ever disagree and you don't ever have challenges in your relationship, whether it's between the two of you, whether it's involving your kids, whether it's involving uh, family members. Uh, and, you know, it's it's almost like you got to know who you're in the bunker with and how hard is the person in the bunker going to fight with you. And uh, it sounds like you freeze in the bunker with somebody who's got his back uh, to the nth degree and I think there's a lot of husbands and wives out there that uh, that are rooting for uh, for their success. Mark in uh, Riverside, what's up? Morning, Clay. How you doing? Excellent. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, uh, just to reiterate on what you were saying earlier about about his family. To have that support from the family means everything. I think Hugh Freeze is going to be all right. The Larry Stacy story comes to mind to me. I want to let you know, Clay, your show is blowing up. That was like one of the best interviews I've heard in about 25 years listening to sports talk. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, um, look, I mean, I, I think, again, the fact that guys want to come on and, and probably girls at some point and share their stories, I think is a testament to, to not only the show succeeding, but to the audience. Uh, because, I mean, I can tell you right now, I'm looking at Twitter and the number of you reaching out to Coach you uh, Freeze on Twitter and telling him thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story and, and sharing maybe moments uh, of his story that connected in your own personal lives. 
that's why this show is growing as it is, and that's why, frankly, guests like you, Freeze, want to come on and interact with you guys because they trust you. Uh, that if they're honest, you'll respond to them in a positive way, even if you understand that they're not perfect. Uh, Will in Atlanta. What's up, Will? Hey, um, I hope you're staying warm up there. It's about minus 3,000 here. Uh, so. <laughs> it's minus 3,000 everywhere <laughs> in the sure country right now, I think, there. except L.A. <laughs> We're all freezing. Um, and speaking of freeze, I I went to both Butler and Ole Miss um, so I know I'm very involved with the Ole Miss. I've season tickets to uh, football and basketball. So um, I'm very involved with the program. I know things that you know you probably shouldn't know in the end. But he's a good man. He made a mistake, and I thought that interview was amazing. You did a wonderful job. You 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 were aggressive, but not like badly aggressive, and it was you got the truth out of him that he needed to let out there. I just wanted to give you props. Well, I appreciate the call. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Will in Atlanta. Let's go to Crystal in the Bay Area. Crystal, what's up? Hey, good morning. Um, I want to say good job on the interview. Um, I have an 18-year-old son, and it's not very often that I'm going to download the podcast and say, hey, look, you need to listen to this because Coach Bree's said, hey, look, I screwed up, and he admitted to it, and there's not very many people in sports today that would be that raw and that authentic and say, hey, look, I screwed up. I'm trying to make amends for it, and this is how I'm going to do it. And I appreciate it a lot. Uh, As a woman, you're the first woman to call in and react to the show, uh, react to the interview. What struck you? I mean, you're talking about Freeze as well, but from his wife's perspective, um, you know, after being married for 25 years, I mean, it speaks a lot to her as well, even though she was not on the interview. You know what? It it, it has to do with the fact that, you know, he, he went to her before he even blew up and said, hey, look, I screwed up. And he, he was he was man enough to admit it, that he screwed up, and that this is what happened, and informed her instead of it coming out in the media. It probably could have went a, a 12 different ways, but yeah, because that, he was like... Yeah, you know, Crystal, I hate to cut you off there, but I think that's a good point about this story. I mean, it also makes it so interesting to me on so many different levels. You acknowledge that you screwed up. You went to your wife before it went public, and then, you know, so when it actually goes public, it's humiliating, but you've already discussed it with your wife, so it isn't as if she finds out by reading it in the newspaper, which I, I think is, you know, uh, 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 goes a long way towards being able to remake your marriage, is that you've actually had that conversation beforehand, you've had all the issues that, that unspool from that. Um, and I thought that was an interesting detail that certainly I didn't know. I didn't know anything much about uh, the details surrounding this story until he came on. But that, I think, for a lot of men and women out there is in, – and also then, can you imagine living? If you knew that you'd already confessed to your family and you'd already confessed to screwing up, can you imagine living with this NCAA investigation going on, worried that at any moment the other shoe might drop and the worst thing that you had done in your private life might go public? I just can't even imagine the stress involved in knowing that in a social media era when like everything ultimately goes public, that at some point somebody was going to find the worst thing that you had done and put it on the front page of the newspaper. 
Yeah, to me, that that would have been the one thing that probably would have killed me is is knowing that all my dirty laundry is going to be out there. You know, yeah. it, it's not just okay. I had to deal with this privately. He has to deal with it publicly, and I think he did a great job saying, "Hey, look, this is what happened. This is what what I did, and this is how I'm going to fix it." And I think he. If nobody picks him up as a coach, it, it'll be a shame because I think there's a lot of young men out there that can use this example of what to do when you mess up, not just how to handle it, but just the whole thing in general. Is yeah. Sit there and be able to go and be able to handle it. Because a lot of a lot of there isn't that many examples of this out there in media today. Good stuff. I appreciate the call, Crystal. Uh, let's bring in my guy uh, Eddie Garcia. Let's find out what's shaking the world of sports. On the flip side, by the way, let's talk about whether or not we think Hugh Freeze is going to get a job. We'll continue to unpack. Uh, the, the interview that we just did. But first, Eddie, what's shaking, my man? Well, in the NBA, we had five games. Only one real game of note as the Cavaliers beat the Trailblazers 127-110. to 110, And that game was noteworthy because of the return of Isaiah Thomas, not only making his Cavaliers debut, but his debut this season coming back after seven months off after hip surgery. Came off the bench, played 19 minutes, and had 17 points in the win. Also wins for the Spurs, Clippers, Suns, and Hornets in the NFL. Bengals give head coach Marvin Lewis a two-year contract extension to the 2019 season. 15 years in Cincinnati, he's the all-time winningest coach for the team, but has never won a playoff game 0-7. Green Bay Packers give head coach Mike McCarthy a one-year extension. He's also under contract for the 2019 season. College football, University of Arizona fired head coach Rich Rodriguez after six seasons in the wake of sexual harassment allegations and a lawsuit that's going to be filed against the school. This report brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car and enjoy more confident car buying experience. And one other note from the NFL where Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll says that defensive lineman Cliff Averill and safety Cam Chancellor will have a hard time playing football again this following neck injuries they suffered this past season. Wow. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and do this. Let's take a break. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let's take a break here. We'll also, again, clear the phone lines, open them back up for you. 877-996-6369. Allow you to react to the Hugh Freeze interview, and we'll close it out with this question. Would you want your school to hire him? Offensive coordinator. He wants to be an offensive coordinator. That's one of the reasons, frankly, he wanted to come on the show. He wanted to uh, share his story and uh, and put the uh, the past firmly out there for everybody to see, but also start to think about the future. Would you want him to be offensive coordinator at your program? 877-996-6369. Also, your reaction to that interview. Uh, I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Uh, appreciate all of you, all the reaction pouring in on uh, Twitter uh, and also the phone lines obviously reacting to our hour two interview with Hugh Freeze. And it's a good time to point out, I mean, as we start 2018, uh, that we thank all of you as part of the Outkick uh, Army out there who've been uh, so instrumental in the success of this show. And I also want to encourage you to download the podcast um, uh, of this interview and take time to listen to it 
in hour two. I think we'll put it up. Uh, Danny G as the best of. Like, if you just want to hear the Hugh Freeze interview, it'll be up as the best of. Does that make sense? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the whole best of will be an hour of you and Hugh Freeze. Okay. So the best of will be the full Hugh Freeze interview. And obviously, you can always get the entire show. And I encourage you to spend the time listening to the entire show. But if you're out there and you're like, oh, I just want to make sure that I, I heard part of that Hugh Freeze interview in hour two, or I heard a couple of the cuts in part of uh, hour three, or frankly, I think this will probably get some attention uh, from different media sources if you're a college football fan, certainly. Because look, I think the story here is what happens going forward. Because Hugh Freeze's past is he ascended to the, the, the head of Ole Miss football, and then he got fired. And now his NCAA ruling is out. You know, he doesn't have substantial penalties. They didn't find him to be particularly culpable of any wrongdoing specifically. And uh, that, was, that was significant anyway in terms of a, a long-range penalty. And he could theoretically be an offensive coordinator somewhere in college football this fall. And I think there are a lot of gonna, there are going to be a lot of offensive coordinator jobs that are coming open. And in addition to reacting to the interview, a lot of you out there, like LSU fans, South Carolina fans, uh, Missouri fans, are saying, "Oh man, I want to go hire this guy as the offensive coordinator for the pro for our program." And I, I think that you know, candidly, one reason he wanted to go ahead and tell his story and come on this show is so that there's a lot of athletic directors who are going to be listening to that interview. There's a lot of athletic directors and and conference commissioners and whatnot who listen to this show every morning. Um, and uh, I think there are a lot of those people who heard that interview and will go back and they'll reassess and they'll say, you know what, uh, maybe this is a guy who could fit in well at our program, and if he's going to address everything in his past as straightforwardly as he did in that interview, then I don't know what we're afraid of with hiring him. And frankly, I understand certainly if there are those of you out there who say, I don't believe you freeze. I think this is just about going out and getting a new job. Uh, I always say, the only way you can judge somebody's truth and honesty is by giving them the benefit of the doubt and listening to their words. And I think if you go back and listen to that interview, I think Hugh Freeze was being as honest as he possibly can. I think he is a religious guy who failed, and uh, I think he uh, is uh, is looking for an opportunity uh, to redeem himself. I think he's looking for forgiveness, certainly from his family, which I think he got. And I think he'd like to find forgiveness in the larger community as well. And I understand that one of the things, particularly in the South, that uh, that is uh, that it, that works in our favor here in this uh, in this crazy world where I live. Certainly, it's different in different parts of the country. Is this is a forgiving area, and so uh, you know th- there is uh, there's an expectation that you're going to hold yourself up to a high standard, but there's also an expectation that you're not going to meet it. And when you're honest about your failures and your uh, and your uh, your inability to, uh, to to live as high as as you would like to live, uh, there is a great deal of respect for redemption and for people who seek forgiveness. So, look, you Freeze has gotten it from his family, and I think he wanted to go public with it. and uh, And now we will see uh, what the next step in his career can be. But I would encourage you guys to go download uh, that podcast. Would you hire him? Let's poll the crew. Uh, Jason Martin, you're an athletic director. You need a offensive coordinator. Would you hire Hugh Freeze? One trillion percent, yes. This was a guy who walked through fire that he created. He was the arsonist. And then he had to trudge barefoot through that area. He didn't skate away. He didn't face nothing. He lost a dream job. He held his family together because of the strength of his wife. 
He's a flawed man willing to call himself a flawed man in a sport where a lot of folks don't want to call themselves flawed in any way. And I thought one other thing that we haven't really discussed yet, in addition to the fact that we're supposed to forgive and none of us are perfect, is that other coaches in the fraternity from Saban to Malzahn to Bielema to really big names, Gary Patterson, all these folks stuck by him. You know why they stuck by him? They stuck by him because they know it's not an isolated case. They know that there are other head coaches, assistants, scouts, athletic directors all across this country doing the same, doing worse than Hugh Freeze, maybe in a different classification, but sinning in some way. They know no one is perfect, yet they did not desert this man. And you consider how busy some of those guys are, or all those guys are. The first name he mentioned was Nick Saban. Nick Saban would be the last guy a lot of folks would want to believe would be there for Hugh Freeze during this moment, yet he was. That, to me, says his own fraternity understands the fallibility of that profession. So could he screw up again? Yeah. But so could I. So could you. So could anybody listening to this right now. In fact, not just could, but will. He deserves a shot to walk a path of purity. His talent is undeniable. He did it in the pressure cooker of the SEC West, and I bought every word that he said. You know, that's well said by you, too, but we definitely didn't talk much about that. But he specifically pointed out several coaches, and you named them all. Uh, Nick Saban standing out, Gary Patterson, Barry Odom, uh, Brett Bielema guys that uh that that reached out to him and I think that speaks well to those guys as well it's not like they expected to get their names shouted out during that interview as being supportive uh figures of Hugh Freeze I think it speaks to um you know those guys in the coaching fraternity in general and also those guys probably understanding uniquely what it's like to have your worst moments as an individual dragged across the front pages of newspapers and websites and everywhere else out there and uh, I, I, I do think that's also instructive, like looking at past coaches. There are a lot of coaches with issues. Uh, you know, Bobby Petrino hires his mistress at Arkansas, wrecks a motorcycle, loses his job, gets hired at Western Kentucky. Now he's at Louisville. If Bobby Petrino can get a second chance, and I certainly believe that Bobby Petrino deserved a second chance, uh, and certainly if Steve Sarkeesian out of USC can have the uh, alcohol-related issues and other sundry uh, messes maybe in his personal life, and then he gets uh, the job at Alabama, and now he's the offensive coordinator at at the Falcons. And I haven't heard a lot of talk about this, but he's going back to L.A. He's going back to L.A. to coach against uh, the Chargers, and um, he'll be returning to the exact same stadium where he used to coach on the sideline with USC. You talk about a two-year personal trajectory for a guy like Steve Sarkeesian. That's a hell of a story. What I think both of those stories represent, and also what I think Hugh Freeze's story will ultimately represent, is that if you have the ability to acknowledge that you were that you made mistakes, but you have the talent to make a difference as a coach, and both wins and also certainly in college with the lives of young guys who are on your program, I, I think it makes a difference. I also thought that Hugh Freeze specifically, I wanted to ask him about recruiting. Because in college football, uniquely, you have to go into living rooms and you have to go into homes and you have to convince, a lot of times, women that their children, their sons, should come grow up and become men with you. And I think Hugh Freeze is right about that. I think if you acknowledge your flaws uh, to those those moms and those grandmas and, and obviously to dads and to, uh, to, to grandfathers and everybody else too, uh, I think that it actually works in his favor in many respects because they feel like they know him both good and bad. 
and you want to know somebody not just when they're trying to sell you the good. You want to know what's going to happen when the bad happens because, frankly, a lot of 18-, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids make dumb decisions when they're off at college too. I did. You did. Uh, anybody who's been in college made dumb decisions. Anyway, I appreciate all of you guys. I'd encourage you to go listen to that full interview. My thanks to Hugh Freeze for being as honest as he was. This has been OutKick, the coverage. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 